Today we're talking about you and your personal brand and how that impacts your workplace. That's that's not funny. That's it doesn't have to be. Okay. Welcome to Krina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Krina Hoyer. We are so glad you've joined us today. I think we have a really interesting topic. And as you all are learning, Krina and I are here to talk about women in the workplace. We care deeply about women and their experience in the workplace. We want it to be meaningful. And most importantly, we want it to be joyous. You're there a lot of your time. You should get some joy there. You should not hate it. You should not hate it. You should love it. You should love it. Yes. So thanks for joining us. At the minimum, tolerate it. Be able to tolerate it. Thank you for being here. No, we're going for more than tolerate, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like my husband and I get in this big argument. I'll say, well, what do you think about like whatever the meal or the show or the movie that we're at? And he'll say, oh, it's fine. And I was like, fine. That's not good enough. We don't want fine. We're not going for fine. (laughs) We're going for great. Yeah. My grandma used to say, when you'd ask her, how was your dinner? She would say, oh, I got it down. (laughs) 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 We're going for better than that at your workplace. I got through it. It was good. Oh, my goodness. Here we are. Okay, Karina, so let's talk about great. I want to hear about your new consulting gig. Yeah. For those listeners, for you out there who've listened, you know that Karina left her fancy-schmancy executive director job that she'd had for, gosh. 700 years. 700 years, decades, and has launched out onto her own new venture. And I have not gotten the most recent update. So, sister, download. Yeah. I, well, I have a consulting firm. You told me I was allowed to call it a firm, firm even absolutely. though it's just me, Krina Hoyer Consulting, which is a mouthful, I will admit. It's going great. It's so strange, right? So having a situation completely change overnight, right, from going to a job every single day, sometimes literally every single day, day. of the week, mm-hmm. big job, big responsibility, constantly thinking about it all the time, to lots of people around you people all the time all asking the time. questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had been working there, although not in the executive director position the entire time, but I'd been working there for 20 years, right? So a lot of my, who I was, how I operated, you know, what I did during the day was dictated by my job. And then I stepped away from it. It was almost a year ago, it's been about nine months. And for the last six, I've been doing consulting work and focusing almost exclusively on the thing that I love, love, loved about my job before, and that is helping others be successful. Mm -hmm. And my focus professionally is on executive advising. And a lot of people ask me, what is that? But it's really giving targeted advice to leaders who really need some help. And you you can find facilitators, you can find coaches, everybody offers a little bit different thing to, you know, help bolster people professionally. But executive advising is totally different because (laughs) I'm not there to help you tap into like your inner knowledge and figure out what's all about, you know, like Mm -hmm. what what you want to really want to do and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm there to give you advice. I'm going to tell you what I think. About being a more effective leader. Yeah, how you yeah, how how to solve this problem, how to engage in that problem. Here's what's really when I I can remember when I have not been in a management position thinking that leaders always had all the answers. Like I would never have thought that maybe I was just naive, but I would never have thought 
30 years ago when I started entered the workplace, you know, as a lifeguard or whatever, that I would ever have thought that the person who was managing me needed help. And I think that that's actually where the most help is needed. I think so. And I was in that place, you know, years ago where I was the first time doing that job, doing executive leadership for the first time in my life. And you know, my role models were fine, but I didn't have a mentor. And I struggled for the first several years to really figure out what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to do it. And in the nonprofit communities, upwards of 90% of executive directors are doing that job for the very first time. They've literally ne- never, never done, done it. it before. This is not their second this or third gig. This is not gig. their second or third gig. And so what I found is there's a real need just for a thought partner. And that's what I am doing. And I cannot tell you, I love it. I have four or five clients. I'm doing some volunteer work. It's amazing to me how our community has been receptive to this idea. And I love it. I absolutely love it. It really does make use of, I think, my skill set in a way that feels satisfying. And I'm not surprised to hear that. I'm not surprised to hear it's going so well, given what I know of you. And what I think must be really rewarding when I listen to you talk about it is when you're able to get somebody who's in a leadership role, you know, going in the right direction, creating more ease in their work, more effective, efficient, you not only affect all the people they work with, but you affect the mission. Yeah. So it's like you can sit down with this one person and then watch them soar. Oh my gosh, it's been so great. It's super satisfying. It's super satisfying. And you know, it's kind of tied into the topic today because... It's totally tied into the topic today. Yeah. When I was thinking about what am I going to do, like really where am I going to put my energy after leaving that job, I had to ask myself, what do I think I'm good at? Who am I? What do I think I'm good at? And what do I think the community needs? And this is sort of where I landed. And so the work of building self-awareness and understanding kind of how I operate in the world and who I am helped me, I think, create for myself a position where I can feel successful, where I can make use of who And I am. you have to know when you decide, like, for example, to start your own business, Do you have the kind of personality that can do that, that can manage that kind of a leap? Are you able to work alone? If you're not, how do you create, you know, places where you can work with others or more groups of people? So knowing yourself and whether or not that next step for you was going to fit, it must be like, it's like the most important thing. It is. Although I will tell you, you know, I've been on a lifetime path to figure out myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like just really trying to do the work. Joseph Campbell. The greatest gift of a lifetime is being yourself. There you have right? it. Right? I love that so guy. Who, oh, I am. That's a good one. So who am I? Who am I? Why does it matter? Right? Mm-hmm. I had another. Can I tell you just one other story? Yes. I love stories. You know, I love stories. So I had this situation though, right? Like I pride myself. I know who I am and how I operate in the world, but I'm still learning, sister. This path is a long one. It's a long one. And the, hopefully really long. I hope so. Because there's stuff to learn all along the way. And hopefully we get a really long time to learn it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I learned something about myself about a month ago and I still, it's just, it, kind of cracks me up. So we had some friends over to the house. There are people we're just starting to get to know. They're the parents of my youngest's friend, right? Okay. So they were to our house and we were playing a board game, just trying to keep ourselves entertained. An avenue to get to know people. Absolutely. Nothing like a board game to bring out the true selves that we are. <laughs> so the kids were there, you know, those kids and adults all playing this board game. And it was something that they had never done before. And so I was walking them through the instructions very sort of methodically. Here's how you do it. Here's how you work. This is what's I'm laughing because I have a vision in my head of you, you know, yeah, instructing. Oh, yeah, exactly. I think I might have stood up. <laughs> Gotten out an easel, started drawing some pictures, making a PowerPoint. Did you gesture to the directions to, like, confirm? Oh, you know it. You can see me holding up the pieces here, like, waving my hand underneath them like I'm on a 
game show. Okay, so at the end of this instructions, we start to play the game, and the man, who's an engineer, right? He's just like the new friend, the engineer. new friend okay. engineer. He is completely. He is, you know, on it. Do you? This guy really, I think, is going to appreciate my helpful guidance, helpful <laughs> instructions. He turns to me and he says, "Oh my gosh." You are the most laid-back type A personality I've ever met. That is the that is he is dead on, absolutely and you right. No, I looked at him like I don't even understand what language That's you're so speaking. Right. That what are you talking about? Because I know in my head it's a hamster wheel. I'm a hamster on a wheel that never stops. Right? I know I'm type A. But what was striking was that his perception of me was that I was laid back. And only in listening to this game instruction did he come into like, oh, oh no, she's it all really came not. into focus. Just like it all right. right into focus. She looks like she's a super laid back, crunchy granola. Oh, no. When you get in there, she's driving it home. She's driving it home. And dear God, how does her husband even live with her? I think he's probably what he's thinking. <laughs> so this was the surprise. You think I'm laid back? Like you thought no, I you, was Yeah, laid? I thought you were totally laid back. Okay, so this is part of the show, right? So that who we are mm-hmm. inside is like one thing, but there's frequently an expression that's completely opposite. And you put a name to this last time we were talking about this, and you called it a veneer. Yeah, I think that your laid backness is your veneer. Okay, define this veneer. Okay, so I think the veneer is the thing that you present to the outside world. And it's a coping it's a coping mechanism. And so I'm just going to be, here's my armchair psychology. Yeah. I got my hands it. on my armchair. <laughs> I think for you, when you have that veneer of casualness, of laid back, you know, relaxed, it covers for the intensity of who you really are and takes the edge off it. Yeah. So I think it's a coping mechanism to make you more accessible to people. Right. Yeah, I think you're right, too. I mean, it's been developed over a long time, too, of like, how do I soften the edges of this Right, how do I soft Right. Mm-hmm. And so I have thought a lot about this topic of veneer, as you can see, because I actually have given it a name. And I have a similar story from a much longer time ago in my life. I was probably in my mid-30s, and I was taking this, like, personal improvement class or whatever. And, you know, you do this thing where I forget what it's called, like the the, the Yoshi exercise or something. And you have a list of personality characteristics, you know, that describe you. And then you give them to your partner, and your partner checks off what they think best describes you. Okay. You check off the same list without looking at their list what describes you. And then you switch off. You get, you get the other one back, and you can learn how you're perceived by somebody else. Are you perceived as driven, as funny, as relaxed, as amiable, as controlling, as an animal, whatever? You get this information back. And the woman that I was in partnership with, who I didn't really know that well, it came back and it said, formal. Mm. And I was like, formal? I'm like the most informal person I know. This is totally chill. BS. I'm super chill. And so I went over to who I perceived as my friendlies in the group. And I was like, oh, look at this. She thinks I'm formal. (laughs) You know, I was trying to discredit her, right? Because I did not confirm my own belief about myself. And all my friends were like, yeah, uh Uh uh-huh. And I was like, really? It's an interesting thing when you get feedback from people you trust and believe, it causes me anyway to think. And so I've thought a lot about that. So that's your veneer That's formal? my veneer. But see, I think you use it to soften your edges, and I use veneer as more of a defensive technique. Like if I'm formal, I can keep you in the box. 
Yeah. So I can like keep you in a certain kind of behavior. And then I can figure out whether I can laugh with you, how friendly can I be with you. Uh So I use that. And now what used to be an unconscious veneer is an actual conscious veneer. And I actually use it to my benefit in relating with people. So I don't think it's necessarily negative unless you're not aware of it. Right. Yeah. And I think this is such a fascinating topic because... Who you are, who we are, who you are, and who you are in the workplace, and how you're perceived in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Well, and also like how aware you are can really impact how successful you are, and the ease with which you attain that success. Yes, yeah. yes. It's not just about being successful; it's making it a lot easier to get there. Yeah, Karina, how do you figure out who you are? Right? How do you figure out? So what I'm you're laid about? back, Type A. You're formal. I'm more formal, but I'm laid back inside. But I've done a lot of work around this topic, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Strength Finder 2.0. There's a lot of like just stuff on the internet you can go out and find out about yourself. You answer all these questions about... Honestly. Answer them honestly. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Which is hard. Yeah, it's, it is hard. It's really hard. But if you spend a little time taking some of these tests and you find out about yourself, it can really help you navigate the workplace in a much more effective way. There's lots of models. And for today's purposes, Karina and I are going to talk about kind of four different personality types. And there is a test to make this determination by this woman, Martha Borst, B-O-R-S-T. Well, she says this is not a test, which of course it's not. Everything it is, is a, a survey. No, and I want to win. A I want an A. No, no, we're calling it a survey. It's a oh, survey really? of yourself. Okay. We're going to take the test out. But I want to be the winner. You can be the winner of the survey, Karina. <laughs> you, get to, you get to be the winner. It's a wonderful little survey of you. Yeah. Find out about you. So get a cup of tea. Get curious. Sit down and figure out whether or not you are a person who's dominant, who takes charge, who's goal-driven, whether you're optimistic, friendly, talkative, whether you're sensitive, logical, analytical, disciplined. And when you start sorting through all of these different questions or characteristics, something's going to rise to the surface yeah. as being – and all of us are all of these things, just to be clear. Like nobody's one thing. Right. And really is there is no winner and there is no right or wrong. But recognizing where you are and what your style is really does help, I think, appreciate what you bring to a workplace situation and also what others might bring, what Mm -hmm. their perspective is. Can I just tell one little teeny tiny story about that? You always get to tell me your stories. It's our show. We can decide. Uh, uh, Thank you. So the... um, I've taken a lot of these tests, but there was one question that stood out, and it was early on, one of the first times I ever took one of these tests, and I will never forget it. It said, when you're at a party and the music is too loud, what do you do? Do you tell the host that you think the music's too loud? No. Do you just deal with it? Basically suffer Suffer. through it? Or do you go over to the stereo and turn it down? And I thought to myself, wait, I didn't even realize that there was any option. I thought the only... Oh, my gosh, I thought, was of to course, suffer. No. 
<gasps> Go turn it down. See, I would sneakily turn it down. No, I would march right over there and turn it down. Like oh I, my gosh, or change the station, whatever. Right? And I remember thinking, okay, I just want to pause Wait, for what? a moment. Some people don't just go turn it I down. Pause for a moment. That Karina never thought there was another response except for walking over and turning, turning it. Down. Of course, right? <laughs> so that was for me like this total epiphany. Like, oh my gosh, other people approach these situations differently. differently. Hmm. Interesting. Inter- so that was a big step. That was a big step. And also the learning is don't invite me over to your party. Okay, so Karina, I think we can safely say that <laughs> under this model, you're a driver. I am a driver. Driven, natural born leader, dynamic, makes decisions. Oh, yeah. Makes decisions. This is so excellent. Step- has an excellent memory for information. It's a steel trap up here. I skipped that one because I wasn't quite sure it wasn't that as important. (laughs) Direct, decisive, and driven. What about you? Okay, so it's interesting. So I'm a lawyer, right? And I should be an analyzer, right? I should be an analyzer. Somebody who's an analyzer is, you know, conscientious, careful, accurate, loves details, facts, and information, kind of single-minded determination. Strong work ethic. Strong work ethic, yeah. Precisely and accurately. So as a lawyer, that really should be my strength, right? However, it's not. That actually, of all of the four quadrants, which we'll get to, is my weakest. There's also supporter, which I have a lot of, Mm -hmm. which is obviously supportive, stable, steady, easy to get along with, patient. You like to help people. Compassionate. Compassionate. This is like folks who are in customer service and, you know, some kind of like therapists, counselors. Health. Yes, health, health. And then so we've got the, we've talked about the supporter and the analyzer. We've talked about you, the crazy driver. Ugh. And the promoter, which is somebody who is influential, inspirational, enthusiastic, kind of visionary, big people. These are sales big people. people. Big people. Uh, big picture people. Sorry. Yeah. Big. Maybe they're big. But they love certainly, big people. We are. Look in the mirror. We love sister. big people. Look in the mirror. <laughs> These are people who are like salespeople, yeah. right? People that sell things, people that are in advertising, Public maybe relation. hospitality, yep. something mm-hmm. like that. So we have driver, promoter analyzer and supporter. And I am all four of these, but I'm probably just like you, a driver. I have a lot of promoter, but I'm much of, I'm a driver too. But knowing as a lawyer that I am not particularly an analyzer has made me so much more effective in my work because I know what I have to be careful about. Mm -hmm. I know what I need support for. So before I do stuff, I have a whole system of saying, okay, what did Kirsten, because she's not an analyzer, what did I miss? What we need to fix. So it's been really helpful to me to figure out where I fall. I think so. Yeah. And where do you need to fill in, right? Like where yes. do you need to fill in around mm-hmm. you? So if you're not an analyzer, you're going to need to make sure that you have one on your what, team. And that makes my life easier. Yeah. That makes my life so much easier that I am not, you know, banging my head against a wall against something I don't know or understand or do as well. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, knowing that I was a driver and really recognizing that I want to make decisions fast and I'm so comfortable at making decisions or being in charge really did force me to, I think, right, create this veneer in a way, but also be aware of the fact that if I'm surrounded by understanding who I was really is really mm-hmm. important, but also understanding that other people approach situations differently helped me realize wow, I think I got to take it down a notch. You know, I think I need to like pause and let you think about your answer to that question before I just move on. Yes. Right. Do Wow. I need to create a softer place for people to feel vulnerable and be willing to share with me what they need to share with Give me. Give them some space. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. And that's really kind of the nugget here is that 
the more self-aware we are, the more we understand who we are in the workplace, the more successful we can be. And, you know, I use the term personal brand a lot. And like, what is your personal mm-hmm. brand? And that's a little you bit... You love that phrase. I do love that phrase, but it is a little bit different. What I mean by personal brand is who you are is really about you, right? You did, you answer these questions, you ask yourself critically, how do I like to engage? And what are the things that are going to serve me the best in my workplace? But your personal brand is how others see you. And it's different. And no matter who you are, no matter where you're working, you have a personal brand. Absolutely. You absolutely do. And in an ideal world, your personal brand and who you really are internally line up, which is what we call authenticity, which we talk about all the time, right? It's authenticity. So you're saying that your awareness of who you were allowed you to created a more welcoming environment. So you you sometimes have used the word, I've heard you say to yourself, you don't want to be overbearing with people. Yeah. So you would say, hey, this has really helped me not be that. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because my personal learning, I think, around this issue, I think I was way more defensive. Like when people would have problems or issues with me, I was much more defensive. And now I've gotten to be curious. So like where you provide space, I'm curious. Like, as opposed to thinking, why would someone do that? I'm like, hmm, I wonder about that. Or if someone does something at work that I think isn't, like, been a problem or it's gotten in the way or it's a mistake, I've gotten curious about it. Tell me about that. Like, tell me what happened here. What's going on here? And then I've realized how much more information. I. So I think I've had the same kind of experience you have, mm-hmm. but just a little bit different. So I think that when we talk about these things, what I found, and I think it sounds like what you found is, hey, I have less conflict with people. I have less conflict in the workplace when I know who I am and I can kind of navigate that. And I'm really trying to be aware of who others are as well, which is super helpful. Yeah, I have found that by being curious, I've gotten some really interesting information. Like I'm sure you have the same thing when you give people time to speak. It's like, wow, there's all this great stuff that comes out. And I think when we know who each other and ourselves are, we kind of appreciate more deeply diversity, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. We get- yes. Yeah. In fact, I've done several times an exercise with my team, um, my former team, where we did a big d- deep dive. Everybody mm-hmm. went into their corners and you know, in advance of a retreat, we also, we spent a lot of time answering these questions and kind of came to the meeting with the description of ourselves. We did a program um, that Gallup has available online. I think it costs like 10 bucks to do the survey. It's called the Strengths Finder. And everybody came to the retreat with their top five strengths and these really good descriptions that Gallup provides about how your strengths can manifest themselves in the workplace. And we read them. We read everybody read aloud. Aloud, everybody Ooh, read their individual strengths. It was really cool. And we would go around. Okay, what's my top one? And I'd read mine, and it's a paragraph. And then the next person would read theirs and read theirs. And we would talk about them afterwards. You know, we did a chart. They have all of these strengths where you can kind of identify where people are in your team. And we would re- we realized it helped me recognize the things that other people brought. Mm-hmm. Right, the person who has way more empathy than I do, or the person who's a better planner than I am, or the person who is really focused on the human element of their job. And so that exercise really allowed me and others in the team to see where we were, but also to see where our team was and how together we created a much more complete experience. My gosh, can you imagine if like everybody who I worked with was like me? 
No. It would be like a cage match. It would be. Like, right. you know. It would be like yeah, a cage five match. five people enter, only one pe- only person. Only one. Karina comes out because she likes to win, as we know. We, um, yes. I just want an A. Just one Whatever A. Whatever it is, I just I want, want the an best. A. So You know what, though? This is what is so – I know your workplace. You know, I know who you worked with. And you spent eight hours a day or more for years with those people. Yep. And I just want to point out, this really struck me when you were telling this story – you work with these people. You didn't know that stuff. Correct. And that's just as true for ourselves. If yes. we don't sit down and intentionally kind of sort through this stuff, we don't know about ourselves either, right? So it's just fascinating to me that you work with people, as you said, for two decades, and you still are finding out stuff about them. Yeah. Same is true internally for, I think, each of us individually. Yeah. Right? Digging in and figuring out what it is. And as you get that information... It just makes everything else so much easier. It does. So we have a few more minutes. Can I talk about personal brand? Because as you mentioned, we're going to come I back love, to personal brand. I, yes, I love talking you love about personal it. brand. Well, I think it's something that we should all be aware of because, like I said, it's the opposite. It's not what you know about yourself. It's what what others perceive, and maybe it's veneer. Maybe it's the same way to say that. But I think everybody has a brand at work. This is more cautionary, I guess, than anything, especially to new workers mm-hmm. or when you're starting. Be hyper aware of what personal brand you want to, to have or to create. Hopefully they're the same. Hopefully it's really who you are. Mm-hmm. But I have had people in the workplace, for instance, whose brand does not serve them well. And when their brand is negative, yes, they have struggled and struggled and struggled to change it. So a negative personal brand might be always in crisis or never finishes a project or takes on way too much, can't ever say no, right? And so you get to a point where people have created a perception of you. And an expectation. And an expectation of how you're going to behave. And if it's negative... It's very hard to change no matter what, but you don't want it to be negative. Mm-hmm. So be conscientious in the workplace about how you're engaging, how your personality is manifesting itself. I would say my personal brand for a long time was impatient. I had to work really hard mm. to get over that. Even if there were situations where I was being patient, people didn't see it. That's what I mean. Like They assumed you were going to be, I and going, they expected it. And they expected yeah. it. Even That's though a really my, good point, Even Karina. though my behavior was counter to mm-hmm. that. And so you almost have to have like full staff turnover to reshape your personal brand. So what I did was just fired everybody and hired them. <laughs> you did not. You did not. You did not do that. I did not. But really, personal brand. So get to know yourself. Get to know how you are going to interact in the workplace and who you are can be a lovely and beautiful. And really don't make it up because you can't maintain it. No, exactly. Don't make it up and don't pretend and don't not tell the truth about it because you cannot maintain what is not true. You just can't. You can't. And while you're at it, be hyper aware of how your behavior is shaping your personal brand in the workplace because you don't want to be branded impatient. I speak from experience. As we kind of wind up today, because our time is coming to an end, I'm thinking to myself, what is my takeaway? You know, what is my takeaway from this? And I think for me, this conversation is, it is continually this journey about figuring out who I am and what I bring. Where does that get in the way? Where does that press us forward? How does that help people? How is that positive? Where is it negative? And how can I either change that internally or make some kind of an accommodation for it? So folks, as you're out there 
figuring out your fabulous self. We hope the exploration is a fun and interesting one. And, and it, it creates a more satisfaction. Creates a more satisfaction and joy. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Do we end every show with satisfaction and joy? I, sure I hope, hope so. so. I'm satisfied and I'm, happy. And I'm joyous, folks. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being here. Well, that was fun. If you liked that episode, find us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, take a look at our website at yougettowork.com. Thanks for listening. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded at community-powered KMRE 102.3 FM in Bellingham, Washington, and streaming at kmre.org. And thanks to our sound engineer, Kevin Leja. Thanks, Kevin.